Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I got to do what I do because I'm led by God, directed by the Lord, and, and I'm letting him be Lord of my life. And for some of us, God may direct us in a way where we're, we're going to have less stuff in order to accomplish God's will. We see that in Scripture, right? Moses was, Moses was living large in Pharaoh's, I mean, as a, as a daughter of Pharaoh, you know, had took him in. Um, he was living large. He had, he had a silver spoon. He had everything he wanted. He says he left that, knowing that, believing that God has something else for him. He left wealth. Don't let money or the pursuit for it guide your life. In God's will, money is irrelevant. Place him as your pursuit. And not only will you be left wanting for naught, but you'll live a blessed life filled with purpose. Pastor Bill reminds you today that God's calling is always best. To know his calling for your life, you must take the time to develop a relationship with Jesus and seek his counsel. Once you've done this, you'll find that with or without money, your life will be blessed. You'll become a light to the world. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 17 as he continues his message, The Scarlet Harlot. When I look at politicians, when I look at world leaders, when I look, everybody has an angle. Everybody has something they're trying to accomplish. And we have to be wise. We have to investigate that if we're going to listen. Um, the one person, listen, listen, just listen to this. The one person that speaks to you when it is pure, it is purely for your benefit, is when the Lord speaks to you. Right? God, when God is speaking to you, it is for you. Everything Jesus has ever done is for you. He died for you. He, when he gives commands, it's not for him, it's for you. He wants you to be okay. God says, look, don't fornicate if you're single. That's not for him, that's for you. Because anybody that lived a fornicate, you know there's heartbreak and devastation and there's all kind of junk that comes. God says, I would spare you that, son, daughter, because he loves us. When God says, don't be drunk, that's not for him, that's for you. Everything he tells us to do is for us because he loves us genuinely it's, I mean, it's, it's for us all the way to the very end, wanting to save us, set us apart, keep us pure, keep us holy. When God says, look, I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to be intimate and be close with me. That's not just for him. That's for you. It's the best thing for you is to be close to him. Amen. No one has as pure a motive for you as the Lord. Everybody else you should be somewhat skeptical of. Everyone else, you should ask questions. You should compare it with the word. You should scrutinize it. You have every right to do so. And so, again, the, the leaders or the inhabitants of the earth are made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so, again, you have world leaders that are impacted, um, influenced, that are influencing the inhabitants of the earth. And they're drunk with the wine of her fornication. Verse three says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and so John is getting all this revelation. He's carried away in the spirit into the wilderness. He says, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having, um, I'm sorry, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. And so this is a, a really ugly picture. Um, but you, you see this, the, the, the scarlet beast the the woman is sitting on so she's in a, a dominant position this babylonian system is is riding on this scarlet beast and we'll see more on this scarlet beast in just a moment and um but as she's riding on this scarlet beast it says um it was full of names of blasphemy 
having seven heads and ten horns. And so the beast scene here is the Antichrist. So we know that this, this, this Babylonian system is supported by the Antichrist. And when it says that the just written, written all over, the, it was full of names of blasphemy. I just want you to consider for a moment what that, what that would represent, what that would look like. Blasphemy is just is speaking down the Lord. It's not this is not something that's benign. Like there's some things that are like, I'm not for Christ, I'm not against Christ. I'm just kind of whatever. This is actually all against Christ. There's names full of blasphemy all over, um, different forms and different ways. And this is what I want you to consider. None of us are the devil, right? But the devil's been around since the beginning. He's been here for a long time. Um, he's fallen. He fell a long time ago. He's been concocting his plans for a long time. He hates everything God loves. He wants to destroy everything God wants to build. He hates the fact that people get saved um, and now we're snatched out of his power. We belong to the Lord. I uh, can't take your salvation away. He would love to make you impotent and powerless and ruin your witness. He'd love to keep those that aren't yet saved from getting saved. And that's the work that the enemy does. Satan is like the person at the pool party that, you know, when I was doing youth ministry, always the, the all the I would see a group of boys come in to throw me into the pool. Everybody, when you're the youth pastor, everybody wants to throw you in the pool at the pool party. So I would just be prepared. You know, I, would, I wouldn't keep a phone on me. And then whenever I saw kids coming, um, my job was I'm going to grab as many kids. I'm never going down alone. I'm taking as many down with me as possible. That's Satan's position. He knows his day is coming. He knows hell is the final destination. But he is moving to take as many people with him as he can. And he uses everything at his disposal. Right now, the Bible says in Ephesians, Satan is a prince and power of the air. So he is at work in our world, in our world systems, in our government. Everyone, get this, get this. Everyone that does not belong to Christ belongs to who? Y'all know that? If God is not your father through your relationship with Jesus Christ, then the Bible says Satan is your daddy. John 8, 44, Jesus said to a group of religious people that were not saved, you are of your father, the devil. He has access to him. Whatever he wants to do, Satan has access to those that do not yet know the Lord. So be careful how much weight you give to the words of people that are speaking and they don't know God, right? I had somebody, a pastor, send me a video of someone, some political thing that he liked. And I just said, bro, that's a child of the devil. Why you send me that? I will not be influenced by that. This person does not belong to the Lord. And they have an agenda. They have a, they have a political agenda. They have a reason for saying what they're saying. They don't know God. I'm, I'm, I could care less. Read your Bible. Send me a verse. Send me a sermon. Send me a song. Inspire. Don't send me that. I don't want to hear it. You know, I, that's me. And, and you know, that, that's, I'm, I am weary of that sort of thing because people have a lot to say. But it's like, who's, that's how I think. Who's motivating you to say that? Why are you saying what you're saying? You ain't saved. It's not because God is not moving upon your heart to say these things, but somebody is moving upon you. There's some reason why you feel passionate about this thing that you're passionate about. Be careful, you guys. Be careful with this. I will say this one as well because it's, it's a thing right now. Um, I'm also going to do something on Tuesday um, specifically. I, I'll talk about it at the end of the message today, but I've taken questions from people about all the stuff that's going on in our world and I'm going to put a video out on Tuesday answering all those questions and really sharing my heart with us. But like right now with everything going on and people dying in the streets and cops and this and that and the other, there's a there's a Black Lives Matter movement. 
Um, it's a movement, right? But when you look into the movement, this movement is started by two gay women that are feminists that have an agenda to undo traditional marriage. It is, it is, it is, it is 100% opposed to everything we stand for believing as Christians. So as a Christian, while I do believe black lives matter, I'm having a black life and I have black kids, so how could I not, and a black wife, right? How could I not believe that our lives matter? But I could never stand, I could not be a part of that movement. I could not espouse that movement. This completely opposed to Christ. I'm a Christian first. And that's how we have to walk and live and believe. And I'm a Christian. When I die, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. I'm a Christian before I'm a man. I'm a Christian before I'm black. Christ over everything. It's got to be the way we think or else somebody could say, I'm going to tap into something you do care. You black? I got something for you, black man. Espouse this. But it's opposed to Christ. Now I'm team. I'm already on team Jesus. How, I can't be on team black lives, gay folks and everybody else. I can't be on that team. I'm on team Jesus. Amen. So we have to be careful because if we're not wise as believers, that kind of stuff is nonstop coming our way. And people will find something that you're for, something that you're about, um, something that you relate to. And, and next thing you know, you tapped into a group that is opposing Jesus. Don't believe anything else that you believe in. Um, I got one thing in common with the group and nothing else. I can't be part of that group. I got to find it in the church. And if I can't find answers in the church, then I got to do, we got to do church better. But I believe that we'll find everything we need in Jesus. Everything we need, answers, direction, power, all here, all in him. And so, um, so moving on, it says the woman was, verse four, um, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned in gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And so we see that as you look at the items here, the purple and scarlet, these are in that culture, in that time, these would have represented wealth. And so um, this represents the, the wealth of that system uh, that's been established, adorned with gold and precious stones and, and pearls. And so it's, it's affluent. Um, there's money. It, it speaks of materialism. And again, something else is as we're we're getting a glimpse into the fallen system of the end of the age. Um, it's religiously warped. It's politically possessed. It's materialistically rich. Right. All the things that in America, we're tell, that's all the things we tell our kids. Johnny, what do you want to be? You should be a doctor and a lawyer. Why? So you can have lots of money. Why? So you can have stuff and not be poor. Yeah, that's the American ideal that we push out. Uh, people push out on their kids um, to get to have, just to get and have. I'm not mad at people that get have. You smart and God has blessed you with brains and you feel called to do something great for God in an industry where you're going to make money. Praise God. Honor God. God needs, God needs representation everywhere, right? But don't just go do something because you think it's going to make a lot of money. You belong to the Lord. You got to every I believe every Christian has to say, God, what do you want me to be? What do you want to do with my life? What have you called me to do? Um, what do you want me to be that I, that I can't be motivated and driven by the desire for stuff? That can't be my my preoccupation that I'm doing what I do for stuff. I got to do what I do because I'm led by God, directed by the Lord, and, and I'm letting him be Lord of my life. And for some of us, God may direct us in a way where we're, we're going to have less stuff in order to accomplish God's will. We see that in Scripture, right? Moses was, Moses was living large, and Pharaoh's, I mean, as, a, as a daughter of Pharaoh, you know, had took him in. Um, he was living large. He had, he had a silver spoon. He had everything he wanted. He says he left that, knowing that, believing that God has something else for him. 
He left wealth in order to go pursue the call of God. And so we see God did great things. It took some time, but God used Moses to deliver Egypt, Israel from Egypt. God did something. God did something through him that we'll never stop talking about. Right. He could have stayed put and been wealthy and had his had his had his nice life, lived his best life now, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but no, he said, you know what? In faith, I'm dumping that because I know God has called me to something else. Um, and so for some of us, God will call us from something to something else. Some people get to be like Abraham. You get to walk with God and be wealthy at the same time. God bless y'all. You know, <laughs> so ain't mad at you, you know, um, but just be directed by the Lord and what it is that you do. Again, this system is, is, is moved by, driven by wealth. And so we got to be weary of that, mindful of it. Uh, then it says this in verse five, and on her forehead, a name was written and um, it's a terrible name. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. This is written on the forehead, right? And so um, mystery, something previously hidden that was revealed. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. You're not just, you know, everybody knows what a harlot is, someone that sells himself or um, illicit pleasure over the someone. You, you're the ultimate sellout of self. And so um, this person is the mother of harlots. This is, if you're not just one of them, you are the mother of it all. You, you are where it all began. You're the mother of harlots. You are the, you are the system that breathes that sort of activity and behavior. And of all the abominations of the earth, all the things of, I mean, everything wrapped up in this system, this Babylonian anti-God, politically broken, religiously flawed system. God says all the abominations of the earth flow out of you. Uh, there are many things in the scriptures that we know are an abomination to the Lord. God says it all flows out of this system. Verse six says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And so um, this system is not neutral towards Christianity. Um, it says that this woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and of the martyrs of Jesus. And so any and this is where Christians have to, I feel like, have some grit when you see a system that's opposing Christianity, what should be your position on that? Can you be can I be friend the system that's like that you're against? No, I'm on. I'm I, for, forgive the analogy. Right. Anybody here used to gangbang? Anybody here used to gangbang? <laughs> Anthony used to gangbang. No. So if 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 you if someone gangbang right when I, I back in the 80s, you know, I'm, I'm I'm watching that transpire and go. If you were from. Like where I lived, it was, you know, we wore blue. That's where we were from. You couldn't change up, right? You couldn't, I couldn't leave my mom's house. When I went to my dad's house for the weekend, that was in Inglewood too, but it was in the red part of Inglewood. I didn't get to change up for the weekend. When I, my first few weekends at my dad's house, meeting all the young kids over there, and it was like, they're from Inglewood family. Well, I'm from Watergate, and it was like, so what, is, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't get to, I couldn't go to my dad's house and be like, can I leave all my blue clothes at mom's and wear red clothes at death? No, I'm on a team already, you know, and it, I grew up with those guys, you know, so it was, you know, it was, it was, I guess, knowing each other young enough, you know, it was always all good and all love and everything, but you couldn't change up. You couldn't switch teams. I sometimes feel like, you know, and that's, and that, that would be the, the, the dumbest of things, right? I'm not, I'm not supporting gangbanging. It's stupid, but I think when Christians do it, how much more, should my commitment to Christ be? Then there's some gangbanger out there that's like, no, nah, I'm repping my blue and I'll fight for my blue, die for my blue. I'm, I represent Jesus. I can't be bending and folding. When I move over here and it's like, well, they're not, we don't really agree with, 
I, I'm not going to bend and fold for you. This is everything to me. Everything to me. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus. That's my Savior. He died for me. No one else did for me what he did for me. I don't love anybody more than I love him. No system, no group, no, no religion, no privilege, nothing. Him above everything else. And so when we step into places and it's like, man, that, that place is, they're opposed to what I believe as a Christian. I'm, I should stand my ground. Then maybe I can't be here. Maybe we can't, we can't be, I can't be a part of, of that thing. But don't fold. Don't yield. Don't give it over. I think that as believers that we have to be able to identify that we live in a fallen world. There are fallen systems all around us. And, and in those fallen systems, they're not going to be friendly towards believers. At the end of the age, they're going to actually kill them. Today, they might not, they might not be able to kill you today. It might, we're, not, we're not that far down the road, but they feel that way. As you look at some of the systems that are in place now and people that have agendas and they want to push things forward, you know who's in the way all the time? Us. People want to move forward. Let's just change the marriage. and what mar No, Christians are the ones saying, no, marriage is a man and a woman. They sick of hearing that from us. But that's just, I mean, we don't get a new book, amen? <laughs> I'm like, I just, I just, that's what it is. That's what a marriage is, a man. We're not going to redefine that for y'all. So we stand in the way. And so the groups that are like, man, we want to change that, they're going to end up opposing. And eventually, it'll be aggressive. By the time we get here, that's why I'm, 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 I'm glad that I'll be raptured. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be about it here. Um, but by this time, you know, they're going to be, saints are going to be dying for holding their ground. Um, there are groups that are like, look, let's just have unity. Let's just have an interfaith gathering and pray. I can't be part of an interfaith. Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. When there's no way to the Father but through him. I can't be at a gathering where you praying to the devil, you praying to the devil, and you praying to the devil, and I'm joining you to pray to Jesus. That's, we can't pray together. Y'all understand that? It's not being indifferent. It's just being real. We, we're not really, y'all aren't even praying. Y'all don't know it, but y'all are not even praying. Y'all can't reach heaven. If you're a Muslim and you're a Buddhist and you're a, a whatever, you know, y'all don't know God yet. I can't join hands with you guys and say kumbaya and, and take pictures. Uh, so, but, but because Christians feel that way, we believe that way. It's, there's an exclusivity to what we believe. The world is, is, is bothered by that. And so more and more as we move toward the end of the age, there'll be persecution towards the Christian faith. So persecution is a good thing. Persecution always purifies the church. There's a lot less fake believers when there's persecution. So people that's just faking it, Little persecution hit, they can go on home. They, they, they not, they, they're not made for it. Persecution will purify the church. Uh, it, what's left will be pure and powerful. They're everywhere in the world where the church is persecuted, it's pure and powerful, but small, but pure and powerful. It's real. So as we move in this world and we interact with the things around us, I'm, I'm just exhorting us, encouraging us to, to stand strong in Christ. So we should read every day. We should pray. We should be in fellowship. We should walk with one another. We should strengthen each other um, because more and more it will be a battle. There's a lot of things that will be against us and what we believe as you're trying to raise kids in this. Anybody that's got to deal with the public school system, you're going to be constantly fighting messages that your kids are being sent. And you're like, that's not what we believe. Don't tell my kid that. Don't don't don't. Inf I don't want them to read that book. I don't I don't I don't agree with that agenda or that perspective or whatever. That's going to be it's going to be more and more and more as we move things forward, that these things will be happening in the world in which we live. And so now verse seven, it says, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? 
because he marveled at the woman that was drunk with the blood of the saints. And so he said, why did you marvel? Why? He says, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So we get we get all the information about the beast that we need to know. The beast that you saw it was right now, he says it is not but it's going to ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So ultimately the beast is going to hell. Amen. So everything the beast does, whoever's riding the beast, whoever's associated with the beast, we don't want to be down with because the beast was going to find its way to hell. Ultimately, then it says, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel. Notice whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast, that was and is not and yet is. Now, earlier in Revelation, we saw that the beast uh, was killed and then resurrected. And people were like, whoa, and it, and it caused people to, to follow after it and go after it. And so here it says that the people on the earth whose names, interesting is that it's, it's those that are not saved, those that are not redeemed, those whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is and so I want to explain this real quick because it says that people's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. How do you how do you confirm that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Because what we find as we come to the end of the book of Revelation, that's all that matters. Y'all know that? Can I cheat ahead real quick? I'm going to do it anyway. Um, in, in Revelation chapter 20, we'll, get, we'll be there in a few weeks, right? At the great white throne judgment in chapter 20, um, verse 12, it says, and I saw the dead and great standing before God and books were opened. Uh, I believe those books are the books that have the deeds of your life. All the stuff that you thought and did that shouldn't have did, shouldn't have thought. If you're a non-believer, uh, if you're a believer, your stuff's washed away in the blood of Christ. that don't exist as far as the east is from the west and you'll be praising God in heaven. But if you miss that, you'll be here at the great white throne. Only non-believers make it to the great white throne, by the way. Then it says in another book, um, which was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in them. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Hear this. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I'll stop there. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So to me, it becomes critically important. I want to I want to I want to be sure that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I want you to understand how to be sure that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And it's this simple. All those that have put their faith in the finished work of Christ, that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the grave and you have in faith surrendered to him as Lord. That group, those people's names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so those that have rejected Christ, those that have heard the gospel but not yielded, not repented, not turned, not believed, not walked with, have continued in sin. Those are the people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And so when books are open, the books of all their sins and all their deeds, it'll be read against them like a court date. Um, like an indictment against them and they'll give an account for the life that they lived in rebellion to God and ultimately die a second death. You know, so it's been said of the believer, if you if you're born once, you die twice. Right. Born once from your mother, 
you die a physical death and then you die a spiritual death. Uh, we talked what we saw there in Revelation 20. But you can flip it around if you're born twice, you die once. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Revelation is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and click on media, or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in our app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and locations for services. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as a family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we've looked into the book of Revelation, keep in mind that this book is not all doom and gloom. It ends the way the Bible began, in paradise. For those who love and follow Jesus, this book provides hope in God rescuing us from all that is broken and corrupt. So keep looking for that in the midst of much heartache here on earth. If you felt the blessing of this ministry in your life, we'd love for you to partner with us in praying for those who hear a transforming word. As the message go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. This ministry is a great opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and his salvation. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for another edition with Pastor Bill on A Transforming Word.